How much of the Old Testament did Jesus believe? We're continuing our study of the authority of the Bible today, and we're looking at some of the great events in the Old Testament which Jesus commented on. How did the exodus out of Egypt begin? It began with a burning bush. Not everyone today believes that a bush really burned and was not consumed. Listen to the story in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. And God said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The setting for this story is the Sinai Peninsula, and Mount Horeb is by some scholars thought to be Mount Sinai. How was it possible for a bush to be on fire and not to be consumed? Is this mythology, or is it real? We can be sure of this. Whatever it was, it was not natural. If it were natural, the bush would have burned up. What did Jesus believe about the burning bush? Well, most people would say, well, I don't think he ever commented on that. He did say he believed the books which Moses wrote, and he did believe that Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, known as the Torah, or the five books of Moses. But did he mention the burning bush? Yes, he did. It was that occasion when the Sadducees came to him, and they are the people who said there is no resurrection. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he is childless, his brother should take the wife and raise up offspring to his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless. And the second, and the third took her, and in the same way all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, 
But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for neither can they die any more, for they are like angels, and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Jesus explained that what Moses heard from God back there by the burning bush, when God said, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he said, I am the God, not I was the God. And the intent of the passage is that God wanted to reveal to Moses that those men were still alive. Where? Well, they had already died, but their spirits were alive, and God was still their God. That's why Jesus clarified the passage when he said, Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. And he called attention to this truth by referring to what God said at the burning bush. Now, if God is the God of the living and not the dead, would Jesus refer to an event that was mythological to prove that? He would have defeated his purpose if the burning bush never happened. Jesus was teaching the Sadducees something they did not know based on something they did know about. They all knew about the burning bush. It was in their scriptures. The Jews had those Old Testament books. This confirms that Jesus himself believed in the burning bush. And this passage confirms another truth. Jesus confirmed that there is a resurrection. That's in verses 35, 36, and 37, where he said that some men would attain to the resurrection from the dead, and they wouldn't marry, nor are given in marriage. He said, that the dead are raised even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush. So Jesus here affirms the truth about the resurrection, and he was talking to people who did not believe in a resurrection. Well, we need to notice that he spoke God's truth, whether they believed it or not. Now the same can be said when he spoke to the Pharisees. He did not accommodate himself to them and speak only of things which would not offend them. Jesus was not concerned about offending men. He was concerned about speaking for God. Another question we need to ask about this passage is, did Moses really write this about the burning bush? Well, did Jesus believe that Moses wrote it? He tells us he did in verse 37 but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Here, Jesus said Moses showed them in the passage about the burning bush. He's referring to the author of the book of Exodus. It was Moses. The Jews believed it, but not many people today believe it. But Jesus did, and we ought to get on his side. He proved who he was. 
No scholar can compare with him. This is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. This is the one who is the complete wisdom of God. Jesus had much to say about many characters in the Old Testament. There were fantastic stories written in the books of the Old Testament, and Jesus believed them. He once talked about prophets, and he said to them in Luke chapter 4, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When Jesus referred to the widow at Zarephath, he was talking about that woman to whom Elijah had gone and asked for some bread. And she said, As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Well, there was a famine in the land. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land." And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Do you believe that fantastic story? Why, this is almost like magic. It's more than magic. It's a miracle from the Lord God of heaven and earth. But it sounds fictitious. Of course it does. God has given us his word, and God is a God of miracles. We are not dealing here with what men can do, but what God has done. And Jesus affirmed that that really happened hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. Well, he also referred to the prophet Elisha who cleansed a leper. That story is found in Second Kings chapter 5. It tells us that Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. This powerful kingdom had its capital in Damascus. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Well, he learned from one of the servant girls that there was a prophet in Israel who might be able to help him. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. 
Now Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Well, Naaman's servants had more sense than he did, and they went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So Naaman considered the advice, and he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean, like that of a young boy. What a fantastic story. Here again is the power of God worked through Elijah the prophet. Did Jesus believe that story? Of course he did. He referred to that story in Luke chapter 4. We read the passage earlier. Jesus believed the Old Testament. Now, in closing, here's a letter from one of our listeners. I heard your broadcast for the first time and was encouraged by what I heard. I like sound and solid teaching, so please send me your catalog of teaching tapes which you offer. I look forward to hearing from you soon. God bless and thank you very much. And you, too, can get a copy of our teaching tape brochure, which lists some 25 short courses on cassette tape for your home learning. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.